Hi, Andrea. My name is Jenny Groves, and I compared notes with my husband. Remember when we challenged you to name your top five tribes and then ask someone else to do the same? Jenny did this challenge with her husband, and it led to some big questions. What if you get to know these people a little better and they don't share your same values? His response was, do we have to have the same values to feel part of a community? Do we have to have the same values to feel part of a community? That's a really good question. It reminds me of a story I did on my other podcast. It was about these two men, Mark and Steve. They'd known each other a long time. They met back in graduate school for psychology, but they weren't exactly friends. As soon as I arrived in the psychology community, I was a minority. That's Steve. He's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, always felt uh, like I needed to just keep my mouth shut, you know, because people weren't interested in anything religious. Steve lived in a separate world from Mark. And I always thought of him as um, a, a nice guy for a Mormon, uh, I would say. And, but because he was a Mormon, I probably didn't trust him very much and uh, kind of had a chip on my shoulder being a non-Mormon immigrant to Utah. So they just kind of tolerated each other through grad school and eventually as colleagues working in the same field in the same city. For years, they never made waves until there was this work retreat and they got into it. Someone had asked Steve to talk about um, essentially what, what his Mormon spirituality meant to him and how he came to it. For me to open up and tell people, you know, what I believe and why I believe it and and including some of the things that bother me, felt like a huge risk. And I became very upset, and um, I think I said something like, "You, I find you ignorant and arrogant, something like that. So then, when Mark reacted the way he did in that retreat, I just, I just thought, oh my gosh, I put myself out there, and people are attacking me. It was an outburst that I could immediately see had wounded him and other people in the room. This sounds like an unusually bad work retreat. Both men left upset. Steve felt like it was a big mistake to think he could trust his colleagues. And Mark was deeply disturbed by his own rage. But there's a happy ending. Mark and Steve were able to work through this fight because they were part of a larger interfaith group created to heal divisions in the community. In the group, they had to meet and talk regularly and address their issues head on until they became friends. Now they say they love each other like brothers, and the relationship has changed their lives. The reason I tell you this story is because Mark and Steve never would have got past this divide if they didn't have a structured format that helped them get things out in the open and build a relationship. And that's what we're offering to you in this podcast episode, the tools to open up a meaningful discussion. So remember that question from Jenny and her husband? Do we have to have the same values to feel part of a community? What I learned from Mark and Steve is that you don't need to have the same values, but you do need a way to connect and find common ground. Sometimes you need help. And that's what we're here for today. 
This is Next Door Strangers, a podcast about finding connection in a time of division. I'm Andrea Smartin, and this is the last episode of the series. Today, we've got a plan to help you connect to people where you live. For this episode, we're partnering with an organization called Living Room Conversations. It provides a format for people to have conversations across issues that divide us. All across the country, people are willingly gathering in small groups to talk about these hot-button issues. My name is Stacy Adams, and I hosted a conversation about free speech. Jay Griffith, and I hosted a conversation about health care in the USA. And can we find any common ground? My name is Megan, and I've hosted a conversation about the gender divide in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Your challenge today is to invite your neighbors over for your own conversation. But you don't have to do this alone. Like I said, we've got a plan. For help, we're going to talk to Joan Blades, a co-founder of Living Room Conversations. Do you remember the screensaver with the flying toasters? That was Joan's company. Joan was also a co-founder of the progressive organization MoveOn.org. These days, though, Joan likes to spend her time talking in small groups with people she disagrees with. She usually brings chocolate. Joan spoke to us from her home in Berkeley. So people with different viewpoints come together willingly for a discussion is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So how, how does this happen? You're taking people basically out of their comfort zone. Why do they want to do that? Well, some of us really are curious. I uh, started having these kinds of conversations because I was deeply concerned about climate change. And I knew there were a lot of people that were not. And this was in 2005. And I learned a lot by having these conversations. And I made friends with people I would not otherwise have made friends with. Um, and if we really care about certain things, we really can come up with much better solutions working in a collaborative manner. Now, the other reason people are starting to show up is they're starting to see how divided our communities have become and that it's having a bad impact on our lives and causing us to feel discomfort, even with you know, friends and family. And that's another really good reason to show up. And you know, we've actually seen that there are more people today that are saying, I don't want to talk to those people than there were three or four years ago. And there are also people that are saying, wow, I think we better had start talking. So this is a opportunity for people to really contribute to bringing us to a place of being in good relationships with each other, even when we don't agree. Okay, but how does a living room conversation work? Let's take a minute to break it down. First, you need a topic. We've already got that covered for you. More on that later. Next, you need a co-host, preferably someone with a different viewpoint. You and your co-host each invite a couple friends who would be interested and open to this kind of discussion. Typically, hosts are thinking of, you know, who would I like to hear from? because the more differences in the room, the more in interesting the conversation is very often. When you get together, it's always good to have snacks. But this isn't just hanging out. It's a structured conversation. You'll use a discussion guide with three rounds of questions already laid out for you. 
Round one, questions about some of your deepest values. Like, what sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life? What would your best friend say about who you are? What are your hopes and concerns for your community and or the country? So that by the time you get to the topic you've agreed to talk about, you have a sense of the other people in the room sharing, you know, maybe some of your values. So you like them and we listen to people that we have some sense of connection with differently than people we see as other. Round two, the heart of the conversation. You have open questions about the topic you've agreed you want to talk about, tend to be personal. It's really a deep listening practice. Then round three, reflection and next steps you might take together. And it's super simple. So it doesn't require a facilitator. It simply requires people saying, yeah, I want to have a good conversation. And we had uh, tolerance conversations a couple weeks ago, and it just made me so happy getting this one note back from a, a gentleman that said, you know, I've lived next to this neighbor for 20 years, and all of a sudden I have this, you know, much more meaningful connection with them. So it's uh, an opportunity to have the kind of conversation that you wouldn't have except for saying, okay, let's, let's really talk about things and have a meaningful conversation. Can you tell us about a really successful conversation and what made it so? Um, well, one of my most successful conversations was a number of years ago with a co-founder of Tea Party Patriots, and I'm a co-founder of Move On. We had a conversation about crony capitalism with his friends and my friends, and we were all kind of shocked to realize that we were in complete agreement about a number of things. That included, you know, we didn't want the banks to be able to gamble with our money and keep the proceeds when they did well and have us insure them when they did not do well. That was, that was a good conversation and, you know, led to some actual progress in that area. So, Joan, you've been doing this kind of work for several years now. What makes you keep coming back for more? Why is this worth doing for you? I think this work is absolutely essential for our public dialogue. And in the last couple of years, I've started to call it domestic peace building because it started to feel like that, which troubles me that I say that on some levels, but I think that is the direction we've headed. And the good thing is more and more people of goodwill are saying, yes, we have to step up and we have to change this because you know, the media and too many of our leaders are being rewarded for focusing on our differences. We need to step up and make sure we start focusing on all those things that bring us together because there's a lot more we have in common than that which divides us. Okay, it's time to hand this project off to you. 
we've partnered with Living Room Conversations to create a custom discussion guide complete with thoughtful questions designed to connect you with your neighbors or people in your community. You can download this guide at KUER.org slash strangers. The idea is that you gather your guests, you listen to the first episode of Next Door Strangers together, and then you hold a discussion using the guide that we've crafted for you. If you do it, we'd love to hear about it. Send us a picture of your gathering. And of course, we want to know what you serve for snacks. You can reach us at strangers at KUER.org. If you're a little daunted by the idea of leading one of these gatherings, I should add here that there's one potential side benefit that could actually change your life. People who commit to talking across divisions can end up forging some surprising, rewarding relationships. You've been hearing a lot of them in this podcast. The trio from Team Red, White, and Blue, the diverse students from East High School, the excommunicated Mormon who came back to the church on her own terms, and the subversive friendship between a liberal and a conservative. In other words, when we get out of our comfort zones, when we talk about our irreconcilable differences, we create a new kind of community where we find that we actually belong. If you can't or don't want to host a conversation in your home, Living Room Conversations also has an online option where you can join video conversations with people from all over. Check it out at livingroomconversations.org. Okay, everybody, good luck out there. I've restrained myself for this long, but I just couldn't end without saying, don't be a stranger. Next Door Strangers is a production of KUER in Salt Lake City. Our production team includes Tim Slover, Joel Meyer, and Roddy Nickpour. Our digital team includes Renee Bright, Chelsea Naughton, and Gail Ewer. Thanks to Doug Fabrizio and Maria O'Mara at KUER and Jeff Bagley from the University of Utah. Thanks for the ideas and input from Mary Gaylord and the team at Living Room Conversations, Village Square, Utah Humanities, Essential Partners, and the Utah Civic Engagement Fellows. We would love your feedback on the show. You can email us at strangers at KUER.org. And if you're so moved, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea Smartin.